Hello, everyone. My name is Sarah Iris Fox, and I want to extend a warm welcome to the Rough Edges podcast. Rough Edges exists to provide mental health education as well as faith-based messages in order to inspire growth and foster healing. In this podcast, I will guide you through my faith and mental health journey to dispel the stigma surrounding mental illness and to create a voice for those who wish to discover more about these topics. My hope is that this podcast will not only shed light on mental health issues, but will also reveal the intersection between faith and mental illness in order to bring growth and healing in our communities. And welcome back to another episode of Rough Edges. We are in our fourth season, all about mental health and the media. And today I have a very special guest with me. You probably remember her from way back in season one, but I am joined by Marilette Sanchez. Marilette Sanchez is a wife and mother of five young kids first, but put some coffee and a pen in her hand and she is unstoppable. She and her husband, Moses, work for the Christian nonprofit organization, Crew, working alongside marriages and families. A New York City native, Marilette is known for her transparency and her ability to inject her love of pop culture into her discussions of relationships and marriage. Follow her parenting and homeschooling journey on Instagram at Big City Big Family and Marilette's musings on womanhood and pop culture at MarilletteSanchez.com and ThinkChristian.net. Welcome back, Marilette. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Hello to everybody listening in. Yes, I am so excited because you are, not only were you my first guest, but you're also my first returning guest. So that is like a plus. (laughs) It's just an extension of all our long phone conversations that we tend to have on (laughs) on mental health pop culture like this is this is so so perfect for us too yes yes I agree so Marilette for those people who don't know or are just tuning in for the first time what are three things that you are passionate about and why this is good coffee (laughs) (laughs) I just came back from a trip to Rome Italy to visit my sister well she's in Sicily but like I came back and I'm like just like I can't do American coffee, like drip coffee anymore. So I have an al- a mocha pot and I make myself strong coffee. It's not technically espresso, but strong coffee in the mocha pot. And I froth my own almond milk now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, I go to bed sometimes and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for my first sip of coffee. Like, no lie. I'm just like, I look forward to my coffee. Um, passionate about also, like, I think friendships. I think friendships are very healing and like, yeah, they're just, we're not, a phrase that I keep living by is we're not human doings, we're human beings. And so like friends help us really live life and just be instead of just always being productive. Like as an American, it's all about being productive. So friendships. Um, The last one, I don't, I guess I would say media because I can't pick like if it's just music or movies, like I'd rather, <laughs> I'll just encompass everything. But yeah, I just think, I guess, or I could say art in general, that'll make it even more broad. But (laughs) I love like media, music, and I can't imagine living without like listening to music or 
um, yeah, watching a movie like Moses and I, my husband, we just were, we did a rewatch of all the Hunger Games. <laughs> like, this is so good, like, to rewatch it. And I mean, it was always good, but it was kind of, it was released when there were so many, like, dystopian, young adult, you know, mm-hmm. series. And so it was kind of a little bit lost in that, but to rewatch it with fresh eyes, it's like, I was even thinking like as a parent, you know, you mentioned I'm a mom of five young kids, like to think how young they were when they had to go into the arena, <laughs> just like mm. such a tangent, but like, yeah, it makes you think about life. It make, I like art. It makes you reflect on life. So yeah. Coffee. Wow. What, what did I say? Coffee and friendships and art. Media. Yep. <laughs> Media or art. <laughs> yes. I love that. And it's so perfect because today we are going into mental health and media. And in particular, we are talking about Selena Gomez's new documentary called My Mind and Me. And Mm -hmm. so going into it, a quick summary, the official summary of this documentary is after years in the limelight, Selena Gomez achieves unimaginable stardom. But just as she reaches a new peak, an unexpected turn pulls her into darkness. An intimate study which spans her six-year journey into a new light. And this documentary can be found on Apple TV. You would have to, you know, get a subscription and all of that, but it is definitely worth it, I would say. And before we get into our discussion, I would like to give a disclaimer. We will be talking about spoilers for the documentary. So if you have not watched it yet, Please watch it and then come back and listen to our discussion. So, Marilette, let's talk about our initial thoughts. Like, what were your initial thoughts, like, right after seeing the documentary? I mean, so I would say it was heavy to watch, but also it was refreshing. So, like, as a person with a mental illness, it was very refreshing to see, like, a real portrayal of what it's like. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more in detail, but just, yeah, those two words, refreshing and, but also emotionally heavy. So <laughs> warning, like being a good headspace when you watch it, I think. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. I thought it was also very heavy because it goes into in depth about like her mental state and just the pressures of celebrity life. And it also mentioned another type of trigger warning. It's like mentions mm-hmm. of suicidal ideation, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, and all the things that come with that. And so that's really where the heaviness comes from for me as well. And then it's also, as you said, it's very refreshing. I found it very inspiring because yeah. while there was a lot of stuff going on, there was still like a hopeful element to it that, hey, this is, it doesn't have to be the end. Like, this is a hopeful resolution. Like, you can move past this. So I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Inspiring. That's a good word. Yep. I would agree with that. Yeah. And so um, following our initial thoughts on the documentary, which moments would you say accurately depicted mental health, in your opinion? It's so hard to pick one. But one that sticks out is the very beginning where she's just being really negative about like her body image and like, just like she's practicing for her big tour and she's like, oh, nothing's going right. Like just, yeah, that, that's really relatable. And like when you can just be in a spiral and it's like everybody else around you is like, no, it's fine. But in your head, it's like, everything's like, everything couldn't be worse, you know? <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah that, that was it 
one big one, but I'll let you answer before I give more examples. Because you're nodding <laughs> yeah. your head, so I feel like you have something to say about. Oh that, yeah, that of course. Yeah, so I agree with that definitely. Like the way it opened was just like very interesting because it kind of depicts her inner monologue versus like her actual situation. And like mm-hmm. you said, she was like very like negative about herself, her body image. She says certain parts of her body looked weird in an outfit, so they had to scrap it. And it's so funny to me. Well, not haha funny, but it's just ironic. Um mm-hmm that the song who says is playing (laughs) during her rehearsal and that song is all about like accepting your beauty loving yourself being confident in who you are and then it's just juxtaposed with oh i feel insecure i i hate this about myself i'm self-doubting so yes i would say that that's a perfect moment about Mm -hmm. that and i think whether you have an actual you know like a clinical mental illness or not that's still that could relate to a lot of people. Like you think mm-hmm. celebrities have it all together, but they struggle with stuff too, like insecurities. And so that was again, another reason why I think it was refreshing is because she, as a celebrity is so different. She's, she's way, I'm not saying she's the only celebrity, but she's very relatable and very transparent in her struggles. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that about her. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, especially like, I just like the way that things were depicted. Like, it wasn't glamorizing mental health. It wasn't, like, making it seem like, oh, that was just a quirk in her personality, and it's cute, and it's funny. Because, like, a lot of the times with media, they depict mental health. I mean, they're getting better at this, but Mm -hmm. a lot of the times mental health is depicted as, like, either really dangerous or really quirky and sexy. And I like how the documentary framed it as, no, it's heavy. Like, this stuff is, like, really real struggles and challenges that you go through especially it's heightened especially if you have like a clinical mental disorder and so um another moment for me that kind of depicted mental health in a really great and I would say accurate light is when she was calling her parents post her um manic episode um so it's kind of I'm a little going out of order here but yeah it's like following the um who says scene like the whole introduction about her rehearsing for her tour she had to cancel her tour um because she did have a manic episode during that time and just showing that the shame and the uh just guilt that she was feeling post episode like when she was calling her parents and she was just like I I treated you guys poorly I was saying like very harsh things to you And, you know, it's really hard to watch because especially as, you know, people who have experienced it in the past, it's just very um, shameful and you feel ashamed of the things that you said and did in the moment when you couldn't even remember half of the things you said and did. You just remember, Mm -hmm. okay, I did really bad things, but you don't know, like, to the extent that it really affected, like, you know, close family and friends. So I thought that was very realistic um in terms of like her grappling with the shame and grappling with like okay this really hurt people and this is affecting a lot of people and I don't even know the extent of how much it affects others Mm -hmm. that's true I found it interesting though like when they when they were kind of describing that her manic episode they didn't actually use the word (laughs) they said psychosis which again you can have manic episode with or without psychosis i had it with psychosis if you listen to 
my, you know, the earlier episode that I recorded. But I just found it interesting because I'm like, hmm, we're going this in depth about talking about bipolar, but we're not going to use the word. <laughs> I just, yeah. I wonder whose choice that was. So, and I guess <laughs> maybe people, it's too much of a word that people don't know about. So like, uh, you know, like people use the word mania loosely, like in general, like, oh, that person is, you know, in mania. Like when, yeah, I think it's a general yeah. term, but I don't know. I just found that interesting. I just would love to ask the producer or the editor or whoever's in charge, like, why didn't you guys use that word? Like, it's obvious if you, you know, if you have experience with bipolar, you know, that's what happened. But if you right. don't, I wonder if you know that that's what happened. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point because they didn't explicitly say like it was a manic episode. They didn't. Um, they said she was hospitalized, and they said that yeah. she had psychosis. Right, right. So they didn't really say it was mania because mania usually triggers the psychosis, you know. So like, it it was just very interesting. I I kind of picked up on that too <laughs> because I'm like, this is a manic episode. This is yeah, <laughs> this is not, exactly this is just, <laughs> right. So I mean, I guess point. possibly it could have been hypomania, but either way, they didn't use the, either word. So True. just an aside, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, is this this you know the shame that's ingrained in our culture? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think yeah, the only way you get away from the shame is to like name things, you know, call things what they are. So yeah, but again, that's not to take away from the the general like what she did through the through the whole documentary. Just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no no. that's honestly a good point because that kind of segues into my next question of are there any areas do you think that they could have improved in terms of like you know depicting mental health or are there just like things that they could have done like how you mentioned they could have mentioned mania but they mm -hmm. didn't like are there any other areas of the documentary that you felt okay this could have been handled better yeah. or yeah, I think I would I'm going to be nitpicky, but like, I wonder why she didn't really talk about therapy or medication, because those are big yes. realities for someone with bipolar. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think she needs to go into detail, like what medication she has, but like, it would have been nice to get to have like a little mention of like, oh, yeah, I, you know, she talks, she's open about, oh, this is a healing process. Like when she had that big speech at that dinner, she yeah. talks about like, I'm in, you know, I'm kind of in tune with my you know, I have more of a positive mindset than I've ever had before. Like, I'm, I'm sure she was very, you know, real about that. But yeah, I just wonder why she didn't talk about therapy or, I mean, maybe she doesn't do therapy. I don't know. I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah. I just I found that interesting. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that was like a, a big issue that I had with the documentary was that therapy wasn't highlighted. Medications weren't really highlighted. Even nutrition wasn't really highlighted. I mm -hmm. found that interesting. I, I think the main focus of the documentary was more of like the pressures of being a celebrity with having mental illness. And I think it could have been advertised as that instead of like, okay, this is my experience with having a mental health condition, with having bipolar disorder. Because if you're going to show how it's affecting her on a personal level and her day-to-day -day life, why not show her efforts to get better in the process, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, and I think this is also a thing that's very popular with movies and TV shows, especially depicting mental health. It's just that you have the problem and the problem is so like exacerbated and so big 
and then cut to three years later oh i'm i'm healed yeah Yeah, like it's just like what was the process like what did you go through so yeah i definitely agree with that Mm -hmm. i mean maybe she's not ready to tell that part of her story so i'm not gonna hold her to it and she's not you know she didn't ask to be like a poster child for mental health so like yeah i i don't i don't hold it against her like she shared what she felt comfortable sharing at the time which i again i still appreciate as somebody with bipolar she did a lot you know in in that one documentary she she accomplished a lot so yeah not trying to knock her but yeah you're yeah it's a good question like what could they have improved on so yeah yeah because i i feel like it it did do the documentary did do a great job in terms of like raising awareness and just like showing like bipolar disorder from like a celebrity perspective and that's something i don't think we've seen too often because we've seen kanye that's a whole other episode (laughs) yeah i know oh lord yeah that's a that's a different pandora's box we're not gonna get into it but but (laughs) the point of like everything is is like extreme version you know what gets portrayed in media is extreme so what was refreshing about selena is like she she really seems like the everyday person like this could happen to anybody and that's that's the beauty of this documentary it's like yes there's scenes of her celebrity but really at the core it's her as a human and that's why that's why it did such a great job being you know relatable and refreshing and a voice to the everyday person you know because yeah again that's a general problem within the media is like extreme versions of what (laughs) what that mental illness looks like and not the everyday like how this affects like just how this affects your personal relationships and you know we talked about the shame and the guilt with your family member like that's the stuff that yeah doesn't get talked about often right right no definitely i agree with that um and that kind of segues into the next question that i had which is what lessons or main takeaways did you have from the documentary in terms of like how it was depicted in the film mental health was depicted okay i mean i don't know if this answers your question that well but like if you follow my blog you know like i'm so big about like praying for celebrities and this just confirmed that's like Mm. i'm gonna keep praying for celebrities because like you never know like the inner battles that they're going through and like I mean, we're recording this around the time of, you know, we just lost a celebrity twitch to suicide. And like, I've just been, that's been weighing heavy on my heart. It's like, people can put happy facades all the time and you don't know where they are. Like someone Mm -hmm. put it, um, I forget now who posted it, but someone's like, you don't know people's private ledge. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you don't, I don't know, just to, to have compassion for people, to pray for people, but especially celebrities we tend to think they're like superhuman demigods like they're invincible but they have struggles and like as believers like another thing i appreciate about the documentary is how open she is about her faith and like yeah like you could be a christian and you could be a celebrity and you could have struggles you know so just to yeah just to have more of a let's be the hands and feet and like not not join in the criticism of celebrities i'm not saying all celebrities are perfect but i'm saying we don't need to add to like let's just gossip about them and be condescending towards them like let's let's have compassion let's pray for them you know so that that was my main takeaway i know that's not going to be everybody's takeaway but 
Yeah. And then apart from that, just again, feeling seen as somebody with bipolar disorder, I've definitely felt seen. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. I, the main takeaways that I had was that, um, even with having bipolar disorder, that's not really the end of your story. And I think a lot of the times it's like when you're dealing with something like this or you're dealing with a mental health condition in general, you kind of feel like this is the end all be all or this is it. Like once I get this diagnosis, like this is the rest of my life forever. Um, And it's really that's not true. Um, And I just love how the documentary just depicts the hope behind it all. Like, um, as you said, she was very open about her faith and I just love how she was using it not just to be like oh yeah this is what I believe in and this is like the end-all be-all but she used it as like her main source of coping her main source of finding hope and Mm -hmm. just showing that hope does come from God and he is the source of our hope and hope helps us move through our healing process and so I loved how that was depicted as well. And I another thing that I took away from the documentary is that learning about your diagnosis is always important. Mm-hmm. And I love one scene where she was talking about how her mother gave her a book about thunderstorms mm-hmm. and she was just very scared of thunderstorms and her mother gave her a book to learn about them. And she said, once I learned about what actually causes a thunderstorm, like how they operate, I wasn't really scared about it anymore. And I think that directly correlates to how we think about getting a diagnosis, because a lot of the times we think it's like a death sentence or a label that will haunt us for the rest of our lives. But once you get to learn more about, especially like with me specifically, learning more about bipolar disorder and learning more about how I can best manage it, that's helped me see it in a different way. It's helped me learn that, okay, I have this diagnosis, but I can manage it. And it's not like the core of my identity. And so I really appreciate the documentary for depicting those things. Yeah, that thunderstorm parallel definitely stuck with me too. That was really good. (laughs) And it's true, like, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that you know, when I got my diagnosis, I wish I had that word picture. (laughs) That was a good word picture. But I think the same thing happened to me. It's like the more I learned about it, the science behind it and the treatments that are available, it's like, yeah, it became, you know, you're scared of things because they're unknown. You're scared of things because they're mysterious. But like when you take away some of that mystery, then the anxiousness also leaves, you know? So that was a really good parallel that you used. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I I use this platform to encourage people, especially people who are getting their diagnosis for the first time, because I remember when I first got my diagnosis and it was very, it was very crushing and it was very, just like, very daunting to me. And I was just like, I don't understand like what this is, like, how do I have this? And so just to kind of encourage people who are just learning about what they have, like what mental conditions that they're dealing with, like it's, it's okay to learn more about it. And a diagnosis is just information about what you're going through internally. It's not saying, okay, this is who you are for the rest of your life. Like this is your identity shift. Like, no, it's just information about what you're going through on the inside. So I I really, it's not, I think we, we tend to get, 
inundated with the message that like this is a character flaw and i think we have mm-hmm. to differentiate from that like not you're not a bad person because you have a mental illness you're not a like a uh, what's the word i'm looking for like deformed almost like you know, yeah yeah like there's like a a perception of mental illness that like okay now again like you said we make it our identity but it's mm. just our brain works differently you know like you wouldn't you know right. thankfully there's less um stigma against things like autism you know like brains yeah. work differently so that's something to me that i've had to you know rewire my thinking my brain of just like okay this first of all it's not my fault there's nothing i could have done to like have a different you know, yes, for me, I had a manic episode because I was under acute stress, but other, you know, and so I can make choices to make my stress level go down, but there's nothing I could have changed done to not get this diagnosis. Like this is just, you know, as a believer, my, my philosophy is like, well, we live in a fallen world with sickness, with death. This is just one effect of that is mental illness. Like our brain is sick. Mm -hmm. So even when I talk Mm -hmm. to my kids, my kids are 10 and under, like, they remember that time of me like so they we got them out of the house pretty soon after I started my manic episode but like they remember me screaming like they and so they were that was two years ago so they were young and but I'm like when I talk to them like I try not to like oh let's not talk about that I I don't do that like I say my mommy's brain was sick and it's like Mm -hmm. okay that's enough for them to be like they don't you know they didn't even think twice about it they're like okay on to the next thing like let me go play with my Legos like we put the pressure and the stigma when it's like we can't talk about it matter of fact you know like i think you know even we talk about this a lot but like within the church the silence i don't think that helps like it makes it this again this mysterious thing that like oh you can't it's a shameful thing and it's like oh it's i'm yes we've made strides but i'm like i wish we would we would be even better especially within the church like we could be the leaders in this conversation and we're kind of behind so yeah so it was again it, she did a great job even as even representing a christian you know that was really refreshing yeah no i agree and a couple of things about what you said that really resonated with me it's just like you teaching your kids i mean that's very important to kind of just let the next generation know that these topics are okay to talk about because I think about like older generations in the past like mental health they didn't even like fathom like having conversations about it yeah (laughs) that's true (laughs) yeah but you're right it's it's just something that shouldn't be taboo anymore and Mm -hmm. it's just like you're brushing it under the rug doesn't really help and it's like if you cover the chair that doesn't make the chair disappear you know like Mm -hmm. it's still there so you know covering it up is just not something that's helpful and I think also the church I think another issue that we kind of have to work on is just not over spiritualizing it because there's like an additional layer of stigma in the church where it's like you're going through a psychological issue you must be demon possessed and that is just something I wish we could move away from because it's just like, it's not a demon possession. As you said, your brain is sick. It operates differently and it just needs help. The same way your physical body could get sick, your brain can also get sick because it is also a part of your body. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may seem like, you know, these are like general ideas and things that are scientifically based, but if you have like the spiritual component of it, 
I feel like it's really hard to balance the two because in the church, we we're always like, you know, taught to think, okay, what's the spiritual aspect behind this? Or what's going on in your prayer life? What's going on in your walk with God? Like what is going on? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole nother episode as well, but just, I agree with you. Like we have a lot of work to do in the church, especially. Yeah. I think it's reducing us to just being spiritual and that's not a Christian belief. Like a Christian biblical belief is we are body, soul, spirit. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we, we have a real body that we have to take care of. And like, I think about like how, when I was younger, I used to think like you go, you die, you go to heaven and you're just floating around, but like, no, like it's a new heaven, new earth. We're going to have a body that doesn't get sick. That doesn't, that is renewed. That is perfect the way that God intended. And like, you know, if God didn't care about bodies, why would he go through all that trouble to give us new bodies <laughs> in the new right. earth? You know, like he could have just like, oh, bodies are too, uh, too much trouble. Let's just, let's just be spirits. Like he could do that. Like angels are purely spiritual beings, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Just, it does go back to like basic philosophy that we, we, t- we adopt as the church without like even realizing it. Cause you're right. Like I think about with like depression, right? As an example, it's like, oh, you you need to pray more. Like you don't have enough faith. Like God could heal you if you just prayed. Like, yes, there's an element of praying and an element of like surrendering to God and stuff like that. And that, you know, that's a big part of my healing process was just being in my word and replacing all those negative thoughts. But again, it's not just that. Like I had to change my lifestyle. Like I had to remove like toxic relationships in my life. That was a big thing for me. Like I had to, you know, because that was a source of stress for me because I was such a people pleaser, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the growth that I've noticed in myself just by like making those hard moves in my personal life. And then, um, yeah, nutrition, you mentioned like diet, like, I mean, I haven't been the best at exercise, but like I do more than I've done before because it's all related. Like it's all, it all affects you. So sleep, protecting my sleep. That's something that before I was before I was diagnosed, I didn't even think about that. Like I would just stay up really late. So yeah, it just, again, getting a diagnosis, it just gives you information on how to best deal with the way that your body is. Again, it's, it's a neutral fact. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's just, yeah. Knowing, knowing the information helps you make better choices for you. Yes. Yes. I definitely agree with that. And so we talked a little bit about celebrity culture and the pressures of being a celebrity and dealing with mental health. So I think we touched on this a little bit, but what do you think, like, in addition to what we were saying before, like, what do you think about how the film addresses, like, the pressures of celebrity culture and how celebrities deal with mental health? So, yeah, to have, like, to point to a a specific scene, I remember a scene where, like, she's, she's just trying to get food and the paparazzi are harassing her like there's no yeah. pretty way to say it but like they're it's she and Justin had been broken up for who knows how long and they're just like you know how are you doing with Justin and just like antagonizing her like it was just it was hard to watch like I know that stuff happens but I can't it's hard for me mm-hmm. to watch that stuff and um and I'm just like our culture allows that like especially in America like especially you know LA I don't live there but where we don't give celebrities like human decency like we don't know how to treat them with just a level of respect like we think we own them as the public you know and it that that bothers me like that shouldn't be and 
you know, I you hear all the time like people are like, well, they they asked to be artists or they asked to be actresses, and that's that's just part of the territory. But I'm like, it doesn't need to be. They they just wanted okay. to create art and inspire people, and why do we have to harass them? Like there should be a line, but I don't know how to fix that because it's just like it's <laughs> yeah. so ingrained. Like we think we again we think we own them, and it's just really that that has always bothered me. So. Yeah, so then, yeah, so I think that adds to the pressure that they're feeling, like, on top of just even personal relational struggles that every, the everyday person has, like, they have that, you know, I don't have to deal with that. I can go to the grocery store and not worry about people with cameras, like, you know, that's ex- that's exploitation, if you think about yeah. it. Like, you're taking pictures of somebody that they didn't ask you to take. Like, you wouldn't do that as a photographer, like a regular photographer, just take random pictures. Um, so, yeah, that that needs to change. I don't know how, but there's something inherently wrong in, in that operatic culture. So, yeah. 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 I agree. Um, especially because we just idolize celebrities way too often. And I think there's a difference between appreciating somebody for the, the art that they create and all, and then creating like a unhealthy obsession with the person just because you love like their movies, their music and all of that. And I I would say there's nothing wrong with admiring celebrities and like, you know, their talent and their creativity. But if we're going to go as far as like harassing them just to get a picture, just to sell it to a tabloid or you're, you know, you see them eating or you see them like actually doing like normal human things and you go like bombard them and be like, Oh my God, Oh my God. It's like, come on. Like, you know, I, I agree. We need to restore um, human decency to celebrities. And also, I did want to mention, like, Selena's entourage through the documentary because I feel like celebrities, they have a lot of, like, yes men, and they don't have a lot of friends who would mm-hmm. actually tell them, like, the reality of their situation. And I feel like one person in particular, um, especially when selena was coming back from the london tour and she was Mm -hmm. just like over it and she had an encounter with one of like the people in her entourage and they're just like oh you're kind of like i'm paraphrasing here but it's just like oh in a way like you're ungrateful for all the opportunities that you've been given and like how could you not want to do the work that you're doing and you know it's just not coming from a place of oh i understand what you're going through as you know the pressures of being a celebrity, the stress of like sitting through all these like silly interviews and doing these weird quizzes and games, like not really feeling that you have much of a purpose and it's like empty and shallow. Like instead of acknowledging that, she's just like, oh, you need to be grateful for the opportunities that you have because a lot of people would kill to be in a position like you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just another thing that you were bringing up It's just like, oh, you asked for this. Like, this comes with the territory. And it's just like, not a lot of them did. Like, I think of Jeanette McCurdy and how she was just pushed into um, celebrity culture through her parents and specifically her mom. It's just like that pressure as a child actor even. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's just not fair that we don't see celebrities as human beings. We often see them as the sum total of their music what they say or who they are like in the public eye, but we don't really give them 
you know, the 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 time to be human. So yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, to go back to that scene, like I thought it was like it would have been wise for her to have a break between her trip. Where did where was that trip? I forget now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like she went from Kenya to Lon- Kenya, London, and then she was to, like, going the back. Press interviews. Yeah. And I'm like, she should have had. You think about even when you do like a mission trip, right? It was very similar to like a mission trip. Like you need time to debrief. You need time to de stress yeah. and like ponder what happened and she didn't yeah. get any of that and then to have it be so juxtaposed like it's not even like oh she went back to everyday life she went back to like being in the spotlight like she had no time to process so it's like she yeah. even she even admitted she's like this is culture shock that's the word she used and i'm like yeah, yeah she should have had some more time to process <laughs> yeah and I, she didn't know like she couldn't have expected it and you know but yeah i think that would have helped her make that transition probably a little bit better if she had some leeway between doing those interviews. <laughs> yeah, true. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, but speaking of celebrities, one more time, this is the final <laughs> question on yeah. celebrity culture. But um, do you think that celebrities should be allowed to be the representative of mental health issues? Why or why not? There's a lot of loaded words in that question. So <laughs> like what makes what makes someone a celebrity? What makes someone like define representative? Like cuz like to me if you define representative as like a perfect picture and like poster child, like no, I don't think they need to do that cuz again to reiterate the point, they're human. So they're not going to do the best job every time. And there's always going to be people with expectations of that. They didn't do that good enough. Like we even did it in, you know, even in our critique of like, Oh, I wish they did that. So like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> like, but it depends how you define it. So like what she did in her film was she raised awareness. Right. So like, yeah. that's great. But I think just, our expectation should be celebrities can share whatever part of their story they want to share. As I said earlier, like even with, with, uh, you know, the everyday person, it's, you don't owe anybody your story. Like that's something I had to learn the hard way is like, I don't Mm -hmm. owe transparency to anybody. Like if I feel safe to share it, I'll share it, but I don't have to tell you everything. So, you know, that's just a boundary thing. So I don't, yeah, this goes back to like, are we treating celebrities with decency? Like, are we giving them a private life? Like, can they be a human being as opposed to just an entity? That that would be a philosophical question to ask of like, am I expecting this person to to be more than just who they are? So like, yeah, we if we define our terms, I could probably do a better job answering. But again, I, I don't think anybody needs to be a poster child. And I don't think anybody owes their story to anybody <laughs> right so just right. be grateful for what they give us because if you think about it most a lot of ce- celebrities are also you know artists they're either actresses or musicians so they give so much to us already through their art like why do we need more like i think about right. a big part of the documentary was lose you to love me like she that's real like that's like one of my favorite songs from her like because it's it's just so honest about heartbreak and also like learning learning boundaries again like being making sure you're prioritizing yourself and not just giving your all to somebody else without 
first self-care. Like that's such a big theme of my life, you know, as a mom, as a minister, it's like, I need to make sure I take care of myself or else I have nothing to give to other people. And she's been really open, even in, in past interviews of like, you know, she, she gave everything to that relationship and, you know, like she, she knows the fault that she also brought into that relationship. She wasn't just blame gaming, you know, he did everything wrong. So again, yeah, they already give us so much of their art. Like what more do you want from them? <laughs> like now, now I feel like you're using them. So. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. I, I, I agree. And the reason why I phrased it as like representative, because I don't think when celebrities talk about mental health, we see them as advocates. We see them as the face of that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially I was in like my intake when I was um, like first released from the hospital, I was doing an intake with a particular therapist and she was saying that, you know, giving me models of people who also have bipolar disorder. She was giving me all these celebrities. And oh, I'm just so like, yeah, I'm just like, she's just like, look at Selena Gomez. Look at Demi Lovato. And I'm just okay. like, okay, but like, why, why are they synonymous with yeah. the mental health? Getting condition? equated and, with. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you that they shouldn't be the poster child. But a lot of the times when a celebrity you know shares that they're mm-hmm. struggling with like either anxiety depression or bipolar disorder they're just like roped into talking about it mm-hmm. now in every interview they're just like well what do you think about this aspect yeah. of bipolar disorder yeah. and it's just like when did i become the spokesperson for that yeah. i was just sharing you know yeah. so i think representative is kind of like the it is a heavy term but at the same time, it's just like, that's what they are pegged to be as a celebrity. And I think a lot of the pressure comes from people expecting them to use their platform to solve every issue imaginable. Yeah. And I don't think that's that's not okay. Because it's just like, my platform is used for something else. Now, that you can apply that to anybody. Like, even mm-hmm. like with the podcast that I'm doing right now, it's just like, I can't attack every single mental health issue out there i could try but like Mm -hmm. it's not realistic of me to just think okay i have a podcast about mental health i should be doing more Mm -hmm. for mental health in general i don't think you should put that type of pressure on anybody you know so that's where that question kind of came from because i noticed like even like interviews outside of her documentary like after it was released she was um talking i i forget which um magazine she was talking to but she was saying how she feels like she can't have children because of medication and and so a lot of people gave a lot of backlash especially in the bipolar community because there's like that's just not true like you shouldn't you know hold yourself back just because you feel like medication would hold you back from that so i'm just like well, if she wasn't placed in the position to be the spokesperson for these issues, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it all boils down to like us unfairly putting the pressure on celebrities to be the face of all these national issues. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, but now I want to like get into the nitty gritty of what she said. Because <laughs> I, I think that that has, she was open in the documentary even about like, she wanted kids like she was holding i think it was a niece or nephew a baby it was a baby i don't know if it was a blood relative 
but like you could tell like she she admitted like i want to be a mom like that's my dream is to be a mom so like to even hear her say something like that is heartbreaking to think about like she thinks that she can't have kids and i don't know i wish people would have had some compassion on her instead of attacking her like again to your point because it's like that's just that's what she thinks is possible and then also like you know those of us with kids with bipolar i think about like that's a privilege you know like i don't have i don't know if i would if i would have the same like mindset as her if i had the added pressure of celebrity you know what i mean like i might i probably wouldn't have the capacity to think about oh i need to bring somebody else because i'm just trying to manage and then to add to that is like she had the lupus thing we didn't even get into that like yes she has physical illness that like ails her everyday life like she's in pain so like Mm. i i understand why she doesn't i i can understand why she would think that that would be impossible because there's so many things on her plate that's not on the everyday person's plate. So like, right. yeah, can we just have compassion? <laughs> like, Yeah, so. no, that's true. And um, I'm, I'm looking at the article now. It was about, um, well, she, she told Rolling Stone that she wasn't sure that she was ready to have kids. Yeah, she thought that the medication would cause complications in fertility and she didn't she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to even have kids so when she said it's the headlines that made it more dramatic than it was of course she's just saying she's not sure she never said oh i'm never having kids or everybody with bipolar can't have kids like she never said those things (laughs) right Uh, yeah again (laughs) into a tagline that's the problem too yeah yeah but uh, i'm just saying like it but I, I think she was, I wouldn't say that she was, like, coerced to say anything like that, but I just feel like she felt the pressure of having to speak on these issues, like, according to the questions that were being asked. And it's a lot of the times, like, we assume that just because somebody shares something about a particular issue, they are automatically the spokesperson of that issue. Yeah. Um, and so... I mean, even us being women of color, like a lot of the times, especially if we're in predominantly white spaces and we're the only one, (laughs) we're often expected to be the spokesperson for the entire diaspora. And that's not fair, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, yeah. In talking about like the pressure of celebrities and everything, and in light of this documentary, um what advice or words of encouragement do you have for those who are struggling with mental health issues or if you want to talk about like how to pray for celebrities um that would be a good thing to just close with um but anything you want like advice or just how to go about praying for celebrities maybe yeah because i feel like i gave advice that the you know they could re-listen to the other one but the praying for i could one one piece of advice is like you're your don't compare your journey to anybody else's i think is a big thing especially mm-hmm. now as the conversation is opening up about mental health in like social media world in the media like you it's gonna it, the temptation is real to be like oh well that person you know has this sickness and whatever like it's easy to compare that's the, the culture of social media but it's like just you know, we, you and I talk about this too, like celebrate the small wins. I think that's a huge thing. Um, but second of all, is like celebrate. Yeah. Just 
celebrate how far you've come. Like think about even one month ago or one year ago, like how, how have you grown just in your own, even in your own personal journey of like how you relate to others or how you relate to yourself? Like, how have you improved on that? Like, let's celebrate that. Cause it's easy to be like, well, I'm still struggling with this. Like I still have negative thoughts or I still like, I need people's approval for everything. Like, yes, that's probably true. And maybe that's a lifelong, you know, a lifelong issue that you're going to have, but like, how have you grown? So like, for me, like I've grown in like self-care, like before I get to the point of like, when I'm super stressed, I can tell like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm like blowing up at my kids. Okay. It's time for a timeout. It's time for me to like do something that's just fun for me. Like I'm always doing some, something for other people as a homeschool mom, as I mentioned, like as a minister, like I, I'm so good at serving, but like, how can I just take a time out to be like, do something fun? So mm-hmm. yeah, whether that's just calling up a friend or like something I like to do is just like window shop. <laughs> that's just my thing. Like, I don't need to buy anything, even if it's like online. It's like, oh, that that's nice. Like decorate my house, interior design, that kind of thing. So what, yeah, before you get to the point of like being overly stressed, which for bi- people with bipolar disorder, that's a trigger. Um, how do I, yeah, how do I grow in uh, self-care okay but the other question though about how to pray for celebrities um I don't know I feel like I would love to <laughs> like if someone is interested in that I, I wish they would just message me so we can have a conversation because <laughs> it's like it's not something I'm like <laughs> oh I'm the expert in but it's just I've always had compassion like I used to watch I don't know you guys are you're too young for this Sarah but VH1 like like biopics basically on like MTV VH1 and I was just like always enamored by like celebrities like their upbringing and how they came to fame and I don't know that's just been a fascination of mine like I would say even before I was a believer that was that was the thing for me it's like oh that's you know how people have gotten to where they are and then as I become a believer growing in just like my prayer walk like just my own I'm very real with God. Like, that's just how I am. Like, I've never had like a filter. So like, sometimes like, prayer journaling is a really big thing for me. Um, I, I just write out prayers. Like if I'm stressed out, I'm just like, God, this is so annoying. Like, that's just how I am. Um, So yeah, like, I think I, I just feel like that's the bedrock of like praying for celebrities is like, how, how is your prayer life in general? Because then as you, as you kind of foster that and like nurture that realness with God, then you can then be like, okay, God, show me like those people, you know, even if it's not celebrities, like those people on the outskirts that like you go the next step to be like, to not just feel bad, but to be like, God, like, can you help that person? So it's, it's a, again, you need these bedrock things in order to get to that. Um, So yeah, like having a real a real prayer walk with God. And then, um, then the other part is like learning, you know, learning about celebrities, but having a, an eye to be like, Oh, like their life is not perfect. Like just cause they have money, just cause they have fame doesn't mean their life is perfect. Like what are, you know, even ask that prayer right. as you're watching a movie or listening to an interview or something like God, like what, what is something that 
you want me to pray for them like, and i feel i i just genuinely believe like if you have the posture of like god help me pray for these celebrities like he'll give you what to pray for so as an example like i remember vividly i was pregnant with eliana my second and like i couldn't sleep which is probably a bad sign now that i think of it but like i was praying um it was in the, it was like at the time that justin bieber funny enough was going through like dui like a lot of stuff and it was like i prayed and i have the this prayer still i wish i had it in front of me but like like god how how cool would it be i have it in a prayer journal god how cool would it be if like justin bieber hit rock bottom for the world to see which he was doing at the time but like you god like just had a like i knew justin had a background in the church um so i'm like what if you brought him back to his roots and his first love and the whole world would see so i wrote that years ago and like if you see like i'm not saying he's a perfect person or a perfect spokesperson for christianity but you see how his faith has grown in the past couple of years and i'm just like wow god like you listen to my prayers like that that really kind of encouraged me like okay like keep doing that like he may never know and you know nobody else necessarily needs to know that i did that but between me and God, like, I know he answered that prayer for me. Thank you so much, Marilette, for just discussing this documentary with me and for, you know, just returning. It's always awesome to have you. You're such a wise woman and you just have such a wealth of information, especially about pop culture and celebrities. So you can get more of Marilette, as mentioned in her bio, at Big City Big Family on Instagram or on her blog, MarilettSanchez.com, or ThinkChristian.net. So stay tuned for more empowering episodes on Rough Edges. Thank you for listening to Rough Edges. This podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and more. For more updates on the Rough Edges podcast, please follow on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast. You can also visit the official podcast website at www.roughedgespodcast.com. If you have any questions or further suggestions for how this podcast can grow, please email at rough.edges.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.